All right, Romans chapter number 14 tonight. Romans chapter number 14. And I've given you a handout tonight because the, the, um, the points that I have are kind of lengthy. And those of you that take notes, I don't want to have to repeat myself because I'd have to repeat myself probably about three or four times uh, as long as they are. I said, well, you know, the easiest thing to do is just give a handout on it. So um, it uh, was easy enough to do, and so that's the reason why I hand out tonight. There's, there's some verses there that uh, will uh, be helpful for you to look up later, but um, uh, tonight we're um, going to be taking a look here in Romans 14 and possibly the first seven verses of verse of ch- uh, chapter number 15. Um, sadly, uh, throughout church history, there have been churches that have had infighting and some have even split over differences of opinion. I'm, I'm thankful that we don't have any problems like that going on right now. But uh, differences of opinion over things that cannot be considered biblical doctrine. I'll give you, an, for instance, since church I grew up in. I was raised in an independent Baptist church that had some families leave the church over the choice of the color of carpet that was the church had voted to put in the church. They, um, they voted to put red carpet in there, and uh, one of the fellows was a mail uh, carrier, and he said, um, I deliver, have to deliver mail to the red carpet lounge, and it makes, reminds me of a red carpet lounge. And so and he didn't want red carpet in the church. Um, and, and it just caused uh, all kinds of, of mess. That, that ought not to happen. Okay? It really ought not to happen in the church. Surely there has to be something of more significance in our churches today than the color of carpet that we're going to walk on. Some churches have closed and others are having a difficult time surviving because they're too busy fighting each other over trivial matters like that. And as the Apostle Paul warned the Galatian church in Galatians 5.15, he says, But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. Amen. And so uh, Satan, we know, is a master at getting us distracted and from what our true mission in this world is. And that's because he's a thief. And that's one of his tactics, or we could call it one of his wiles. That's what the Bible calls him, the wiles of the devil. Um, thieves like to use distraction sometimes when they're stealing things. That's one of their characteristics. wonder where they got that from. They got it from the devil. Satan loves to use a strategy because if believers can be seduced into paying attention to distractions, their churches can be robbed of the things that really matter. Believers ought to be able to live in harmony in the church, but how can we live in harmony when there are controversial issues that divide us? I'm not talking about uh, matters of doctrine. Understand tonight that uh, we, we stand for fundamentals of the faith. Okay? Fundamentals are items that are non-negotiable. Uh, things that where, where the Bible stands strong on, we are to stand strong on. When we talk about the inspiration of the Scriptures, when we talk about uh, the uh, virgin birth, when we talk about the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ, these, these things are not negotiable. And uh, we, uh, we need to stand strongly on those things. But Paul gave the church at Rome some 
practical step-by-step -step instructions on how to be in harmony with one another in Romans 14 here, in Romans 15. And it, 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 he's talking about here some non-essential uh, things. Uh, it appears the church, this church was divided on some non-essential details of the Christian life. And he wrote it for their benefit as well as for ours. Ours, amen. And uh, there, there, were, there were some in the church who had some very strict convictions concerning things like particular days of worship and types of diet that ought to be consumed. And they considered those things uh, very strongly. Uh, those who disagreed with them, they, they figured they, well, they, they're just too liberal is what they are. And others uh, had an equally strong conviction that in Christ they were free from such constraints. And they considered the others to be too narrow-minded. Paul says that the solution to all of this is to stop condemning one another and start accepting one another in, in that which is not clear in the Scriptures. And so uh, let's begin, and we're going to begin with verse number 1 here. Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye but not to doubtful disputations. Uh, we, we're, we're to hold back judgment on disputable matters. Uh, here we see the Bible forbids us to pass judgment on matters that are disputable. A disputable matter is an issue on which Scripture is not clear. We might call them gray areas. Okay, And there are some of those. And the disputable matters to which Paul speaks about directly here are concerning diet and dates. As we, we, when we read further down, you'll, you'll come to, to see that. But some believe that certain days like the Sabbath or other religious holidays were to be considered more sacred than others. And they held to certain dietary rules like not eating meat. And that was probably because the meat in the marketplace had a good possibility of having been offered to idols. And they, they, they had a conscience that wouldn't let them eat that meat. Uh, the, the other group believed that all days were the same. And that as long as you gave thanks to God for the food, there was no problem with eating it and enjoying it. And so Paul uh, you know, was addressing this. Who was right and who was wrong in these issues? And Paul says you know, neither group is wrong because these issues are non-essential to Christian faith. And practice. Now, if the scriptures do not speak clearly on an issue, it is because God has given us freedom to choose in those particular areas. And there are many things that believers are free to do or free not to do. But the one thing that we're not free to do is to pass judgment on disputable matters. Again, we're not talking about doctrine. Okay, We're not talking about... Uh, uh, the things that are uh, non non negotiable, you, we the fundamentals of the faith. We're not talking about that. We're talking about things that have the gray area, the things that are disputable. Uh, second thing we see here, we we are to avoid looking down on those who don't share our convictions. Look at verse two through four. He says, "For one believeth that he may eat all things; another who is weak eateth herbs." Uh, let, let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. And let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth. For God hath received him. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? 
to his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall uh, be holding up, for God is able to make him stand. So uh, Paul says here that uh, the one who is strong in the faith and, and therefore uh, understands that he is free from legalistic constraints in these disputable matters must not look down on those who don't believe they have such freedoms. And he also says that those who are weak in the faith and therefore feel that they must follow certain rules must not condemn those who don't follow their rules. If you've got a conviction about it, well, follow it. You know, but, but if it's not black and white in the Scripture, don't hold others to what you feel like is uh, right for you. Understand that the other person is not our servant. That's what he's talking about there in verse number 4. Uh, that other person's not our servant, but God's servant. Uh, you're judging God's servant. Well, who, should, who ought to judge God's servant? God? Yeah. God, God's going to judge him. So they answer not to us, but they answer to God. And furthermore, we see that God has accepted us both. Therefore, we dare not look down on one whom God has accepted. I mean, we, we're... we're if they're saved by God's grace and we're saved by God's grace, listen, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Of course, it's man's tendency to look down on those who hold different views than they do. And so, you know, the next time we're tempted to look down on someone, either because they don't share our freedom or because they don't share our strict convictions, we need to remind ourselves that we are not any better than them and they are not any better than us, okay? We need to remind ourselves of, the, uh, of what the Apostle Paul had to say really even about himself. In uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 9, he says, For I am the least of all the apostles, then I'm not meet to be called an apostle. And in Ephesians 3, 8, he said uh, that he was the le- less than the least of all saints. Think about that. Uh, to me, Paul was a great saint, okay? But he saw himself, he had a humble view of himself that he was the least of all the saints, less than the least of all the saints. And in 1 Timothy 1.15, he referred to himself as the chief of sinners. And this is all after that, uh, you know, he's, he's saved, he's born again. But if that was true of the Apostle Paul, then if he, if he looked at himself and, and humbled himself in those ways, then certainly uh, it ought to be true of us. We have no right to look down on any of our brothers or sisters. Amen. Now let's pick up in verse number 5 and read down to verse number 12 here. As we see, we're, not, we're, we're to realize that we must live for the Lord alone. Look at verse 5. It says, one man esteemeth one day above another, and another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. In other words, figure it out for yourself what the Lord would have you to do is what he's saying there. He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord, and he that regardeth not the day to the Lord, he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth... Uh, God thanks, and he that eateth not to, uh, to the Lord, he, uh, he eateth not and, and giveth God thanks. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. Whether we live, notice this, whether we live, we live unto the Lord. And whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live therefore or die, 
We are the Lord's. That's the important thing. We belong to the Lord. It says, for, for to this end Christ both died and rose and revived that he might be Lord both of the dead and living. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, and then get this now, so then every one of us shall give account of his brother, no, his sister, no, himself to God. We're going to stand to God and give account of us before the Lord. We're not on this earth for the purpose of exercising our freedoms. Nor are we here for the purpose of adhering to strict religious convictions. We're here for one purpose and one purpose only, to live for the Lord. How would the Lord have us to live ourselves? You know, how, how, would he, how does he want us to do? If we exercise our freedoms, we are to do so for the Lord. And if we adhere to strict religious convictions, we are to do so for the Lord. If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. And if, if we ever lose focus of that purpose that we are in, you know, that, then we are in trouble. You know, that, that purpose of we are to live and die for the Lord. Amen. Uh, we lose that purpose and we are in tr serious trouble. Now understand, some people may be offended if we are more concerned with pleasing the Lord than we are with pleasing them. But at least when we try to please the Lord, amen, we're fulfilling our purpose. And, uh, you're not going to be able to please everybody. <laughs> if, we, if we can please people and please the Lord at the same time, that's wonderful. But if we can't, we need to make sure that we please the Lord because we're going to stand before the Lord and give an account. That makes sense to you? Uh, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 9, he says, Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent we may be accepted of him. We're looking to be accepted of the Lord. He also said in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. So these things that you choose, ask yourself the question, you know, do I feel like I'm glorifying God by doing this? And if not, you need to change what you're doing. But if you feel that's what you're doing, then uh, uh, no, nobody has a right to judge you in that, and you don't have the right to judge somebody else that is uh, trying to please the Lord in their life. Number four here, um, verses 13 through 18, uh, and we're going to see here we are, we are to make sure we don't put obstacles in the way of, of others. It talks about stumbling block here in uh, verse 13 through, through 18. Look at verse 13. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself but, notice this, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably? You're not walking in love. 
Destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. Let not then your good be evil spoken of. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, notice, and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Now listen, it's true that in Christ we have been set free from the law. Praise God for that. Amen. We have been set free from legalism. However, we must not flaunt our freedom, especially in the faces of those who are weak in the faith. Also, those who have strong convictions are not to beat up, beat those things uh, over the head of others. Uh, you know, they take your convictions and try to drive them down somebody else's throat. We're, we're to exercise our freedoms and carry out our convictions in ways that do not cause our fellow believers to stumble. Now, this section is primarily addressed to those who are strong in the faith and have freedom in these disputable matters. Faith results in freedom. The stronger the faith, the greater the freedom. The weaker the faith, the smaller the freedom. And what he's saying, you, know, you, 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 you got more faith, and therefore you got more freedom? Well, praise God for that, but don't, don't offend others in exercising your freedoms. It's important to notice that Paul says that both groups have faith. You know? In other words, both groups have saving faith. They're both saved, and therefore they're true children of God. It's just that some are stronger in faith than others, and, and uh, those who are stronger in faith have got to be careful about exercising their freedoms in the presence of those who don't feel like they have such freedom. And I hope that makes sense to you. See, the danger is that those who are weak in the faith may be tempted to participate in the freedoms of those strong in the faith when they themselves do not have that faith. Now, I want you to get this because this is important. Because th- this is dangerous because if, some, if anyone believes something to be wrong, it's wrong for them. Okay, If they believe it to be wrong, it's wrong for them, even if it is not something that God's Word forbids. And, and listen, listen to me as we, as we cover this. It, it is sin for us to violate our conscience. Okay? It's a sin. We must be, as Paul said there in verse 5, be fully persuaded. Be fully persuaded. Because uh, he says down in verse 23 where we hadn't got yet, and uh, that uh, uh, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. That's how this chapter ends. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Uh, so if the exercise of our freedom causes a fellow believer to violate their conscience and sin, then we have destroyed our brother for whom, whom Christ died, according to verse what he says there in verse 15. He says, you know, d- d- don't do that. <laughs> you know, walk in love. <laughs> you know, you know they got a problem with it. Don't flaunt it in front of them. Just you know, don't 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 make a don't make an issue out of it. Paul includes himself in the group who are strong in the faith and have the freedom to eat anything. But he says that it's better to voluntarily restrict one's freedom than to cause others to stumble by exercising that said freedom. In fact, in uh, 1 Corinthians 8, in verse 13, he puts it this way. 
Paul said, Wherefore, if meat make my brother to offend, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend. You know, he didn't have a problem uh, eating it, but he wasn't going to eat it before a brother. Now, let me share a word with those who may have had an obstacle placed in their way by someone. Uh, the greatness of our lives is often determined by the size of the obstacles that we have had to overcome. Amen. And if we can face an obstacle and overcome it, we become better and stronger people because of it. Now, that doesn't mean that we can uh, put an obstacle in someone's way and justify it by saying, I, I'm just trying to make that person stronger. You, you can't do that, all right? What this does mean is that if, if someone has put an obstacle in our way, then listen, with, with God's help, we are to find a way over it, around it, or through it, okay? Uh, that's what we're to do. Number five. We are, to seek to, we are to seek to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. Think of verse 19. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace. Don't look to rile somebody up. What he's saying there, you know. Um, he said, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify one another. That word edify means to build up, build up someone. He says, for meat, destroy not the work of God. All things indeed are pure, but it, it is evil for a man who eateth with offense. It is good neither to eat flesh, nor to drink wine, nor, to, nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth, or is offended, or is made weak. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. <laughs> and let's, let's just, Paul, we'll, we'll get those verses here in just a minute. But let's, let's think about the verses 19 through 21. What is good can wind up being bad if it leads to disharmony and does not build up the church. Um, in Romans 12, verse number 18, Paul said, uh, he wrote these words, he says, If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Now he says, if it be possible. It's not always possible, is it? You ever seen somebody who was totally unreasonable? You know, you try to you try to live at peace with them, but they weren't going to have it. I uh, he he knows that it's not always possible to please uh, people, uh, and you know the old saying uh, that says you can you can fool some of the people some of the time, you, but you can't fool all the people all the time. Well, well, the same is true about pleasing people. You can please some of the people some of the time, but you can't please all of the people all of the time. And let me get, get add another thing: there's some people you can't please any time. <laughs> you know, they're, they're going to be disagreeable just to be disagreeable. Uh, just, it's just you know, the, the, the fleshly nature. But the point is we need to do our part uh, and, and that, the, the part that depends on us. Let's do our part. It's much more difficult to build somebody up than it is to tear them down. Okay? And that's... That can be illustrated in any number of ways. I mean, it's just a truth in any area. You talk about whether you're going to build something, 
It takes planning. It takes thought. It takes precision. It takes, uh, you know, skills. But to tear something down, all you need is a hammer. You know, to build, to build this pulpit, somebody put some care in it building the same. But I could mess it up in a heartbeat, couldn't I? Yeah. Just give me a sledgehammer and it, and it would be done with. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's, it's more difficult to build up than it is to tear down. And we, as believers, are to be builders. We're to edify others, edify one another as children of God. Now, uh, let's get to verse 22 now. We're, we're not to impose our personal convictions on someone else. That's verse 22 and 23. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. And he that doubteth is is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Um, Understand that our personal convictions are are just that. They are personal. If, If they were meant to be corporate, God would have put them in his word, made it plain, uh, but he didn't. He gave them to us personally. If our faith is strong enough to allow us liberty in certain areas of our life, we can exercise that liberty before God with good conscience. And you know, when we can do that, we ought to just praise God. Thank you, God, for the liberty that you give me to, and for this uh, uh, blessing in life. However, listen, on the other side, if we flaunt our liberty before a weaker brother and convince that weaker brother to violate his conscience, we have caused him to sin because he did not exercise liberty that belonged to him. He was trying to live in our liberty. Okay? That's, that's what it's saying there. Now, chapter 15, and uh, this is the final point here. We, we're to yield our personal preferences for the common good. And sometimes, uh, you know, we, we, have, we have personal preferences, and, uh, but it, it, we, we can yield. <laughs> Some things are more important than us having our way, aren't they? Look at verse number one. We, we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Okay, I think it's pretty clear. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. In other words, for the good of the neighbor, we're trying to build them up. So let's, let's, let's do that. For, for even Christ, notice the example, even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. That ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore, receive ye one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Amen. Paul's saying here that we should not insist on having our own way. Insisting on doing things our way is the world's way. Amen. Not the, it's not the Christian way. Paul holds up Jesus here as the ultimate example of someone who 
rather than pleasing himself, gave up his personal preferences for the good of mankind. I want to end with an illustration here. Um, back in the summer of 1986, that's a long time ago. It don't seem that long ago, though, does it? I mean, those of us that uh, uh, were born before that. <laughs> but back in the summer of 1986, there were, there were two ships that collided in the Black Sea off the coast of Russia. There were hundreds of passengers that died as they were hurled into the icy waters below. News of the disaster was further darkened when an investigation revealed the cause of the accident. It wasn't a technology problem like radar malfunction or even thick fog. The cause was human stubbornness. Human stubbornness. Each captain was aware of the other ship's presence nearby. Both could have steered clear, but according to news reports, neither captain wanted to yield to the other. They didn't want to give, give way to the other. So I said, they must have been Baptists. <laughs> uh, each was too proud to yield first. And by the time they came to their senses, it was too late. If we continue with a similar attitude, we will share in their faith. So, so let's be mindful of these seven things that we've looked at tonight. Uh, they are important in the lives of believers, both those that are weak in the faith and those that are strong in the faith. What's good for us as individual believers is good collectively to, uh, to us all as Christ's church. So uh, let's, uh, let's be mindful, amen? Let's pray. Father, we